welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Hi, y'all. My name is Jean, and I am a sexaholic. I am a compulsive masturbator. I am a sadomasochist and adulteress. I am periodically compulsive with partners and romantically obsessive. Although I'm coming to find more and more that I'm powerless over lust in every form, including the ones I haven't tried yet. And yet, through the mercy of God, working through this fellowship, I've been sexually sober since September 6, 1984, and I am truly never sufficiently grateful for that. I, I've really gotten something out of everyone I've heard share this morning. Um, can you all hear me? Yes. Good. Um, I feel as if I'm almost whispering. And yet I, I really identify so much with Harvey, um, which is no surprise. Harvey and I grew up together. Uh, you know, I've learned to tell you I'm a paragon of recovery and that I have licked lust in my life, um, and it is never a problem in any shape, form, or fashion. Wrong, wrong, wrong. I do have days when I am free of the temptations of lust, but they are still very much the exception rather than the rule. Um, I, I do have to deal with some temptation of lust in some form, more days than not. Um, in recovery, I'm discovering that all that stuff I read in the brochure and the manual is unfortunately true of me too. Um, I am a love cripple. I cannot deal with intimacy or relationship. Instead of loving you, my first impulse is to lust. Not necessarily for you, but maybe for you, or maybe for a fantasy in my head, or maybe for myself. I'm not ready today uh, to handle a relationship that might lead to marriage. Um, I know I'm not. It's all I can do to handle my relationships with my family and my extended family and the fellowship and the people I work with. And, And yet... And yet I keep coming back, and I am grateful. I am so deeply grateful for this fellowship because I no longer live in the daily hell and the spiritual death that my disease was. It is not necessary for me to act out today. And it is possible for me to begin to love you today because I'm not acting out sexually. And that is only because of this fellowship and, and because of the power of God, as, you know, as I express myself, working in and through this fellowship, and for no other reason. And that's what keeps me coming back. Uh, when, when I was asked to speak, the way it was put to me was, just talk about what works. Talk about the solution rather than the problem. And, uh, hello, as I reflected on that, uh, you know, I like that. I like to talk about solutions. I like to talk about what my sobriety has been like since I walked through the doors. And then what I come up with again and again is uh, what works, nothing works. 
Nothing that I can do works. And I'm grateful for my struggles and my temptations because they help me to remember that first and second steps. I am powerless over lust. I'm as powerless today as I was on September the 5th, 1984. And God grant I never forget it. I cannot restore myself to sanity. That second step never said, came to believe that Jean would restore herself to sanity and get her act together and then she'd be able to stay sexually sober. Um, what works for me is surrender. And surrender is the only thing that works. Um, if I did not believe two things, if I did not believe my own absolute powerlessness, and if I did not believe that the power of God can and will keep me sober and keep me moving forward, I'd be dead. I couldn't do it. I'd be out of here. Nothing else could help me to see who and what I am and to walk forward in recovery. So, you know, how do you surrender? I mean, surrender is very hard for me. I, I, I keep wanting to figure it out, and it, it seems like such a negative concept. How do I surrender? Um... Well, you know, first of all, I stopped acting out. I mean, I got to keep it very, very basic and simple for me. Um, I'm real grateful that when I first came into SA, I was told what SA's understanding of sexual sobriety is clearly and unequivocally. Because I would never have figured it out for myself. You know, for most of my acting out career, my primary external form of acting out was masturbation. And nowadays, the ladies' home journal says masturbation is normal and healthy. I honestly did not realize that this was a part of my problem. I had to take it on faith that for me, sobriety means no form of sex with myself or others, me being an unmarried woman. And then when I tried it and it worked for me, I became a believer in experience. And that was what opened me up, you know, because I was not taking the actions of lust. Real relationships with God, myself, and others became possible for the first time. My steps worked. You know, I was real fortunate that from the beginning I had a good sponsor who never let me think that just not doing it was going to be enough. And, and by working the steps of the program, I stripped away that scab of guilt and self-hatred and the inability to look at myself that I had built up through the need I had to run from myself all my life. And, um, you know, I stopped hating me. That is one victory I, I do think I can claim in this fellowship. I do not hate myself today. And I believe that I do not hate myself today because I've worked the steps of recovery and sobriety. And I have looked at myself and I've made my amends. And I know now that however shamed and awful and hurtful I feel, there's an option and there's an out and there's a solution today that I find in those 12 steps. But I thought, you know, I thought that would cure me too. And, and what I've been discovering most recently in my recovery is that the steps don't cure me either. And I'm starting to get the idea there is no cure. What has happened for me, I feel like, is that sobriety and the steps have opened me up and they've given me enough security in my relation to God and enough love for myself that I'm starting to be able to be honest with you and to love you and to let you love me. 
Um, surrender to me means honesty. That's the third thing I wanted to say. It means honesty with myself and with you. You know, the very first SA meeting I walked into, um, I, I was moved to share this by what Dave shared about his surrender. I had a problem because one of the people I was romantically obsessed with was in the meeting. And I knew this. In fact, it was one of the people who well-stepped me. I mean, I couldn't hardly miss it. And uh, <laughs> I did know he was sober. Um, it was suggested to me that I talk about him by name. And I don't know if that was a good suggestion or not. Uh, I'm not sure I would make the same suggestion today. It is the hardest thing I think I ever did in my life. I thought I was going to die. But I did it. I sat there crying hysterically, but I managed to get it out. And you know, that was my first surrender. It was my first act of honesty. And nothing blows an obsession like sharing it in an essay meeting in front of the object. I mean, <laughs> you know, I did it. You know, I, I, I had other issues to work out with the person later, but that at least took away the scab of that obsession. And you know, that's been the pattern ever since. Surrender to me means that first of all, I've got to be honest with you about who and what I really am. Um, I've got to tell you, and I've got to tell you exactly. You know, I, I'm not into getting sexually, um, how shall I say, lascivious in meetings, but I do feel like it's necessary for me and others to be pretty exact about what I'm thinking and feeling and what I've done and what I want to do. And in my whole first year of sobriety, I remember a lot of it was just sharing the, the piddling, embarrassing stuff. You know, the scatological fantasies, that kind of thing. Um, you know, and, but then just telling it is not enough. You know, I need to tell it with a desire to have it removed. And then I've got to ask God to remove it from me. One more experience in this line, and then I'll stop, because I see my time is about out. Uh, I, I'm chairing a committee, and, you know, God, I'm, I'm powerless over... Um, being a chairperson and my life was becoming unmanageable. You know, I mean, this, this triggered everything in me, my ego, my need to control, all my character defects. And by the time I got here yesterday, I knew I could not chair that committee meeting without it. And so I prayed to God and I said, I don't have the power to do this of myself. And I shared in the meeting with the people on the committee what was going on with me. And those two together did it. You know, it was okay. The grace of God came in to expel the obsession. Um, and, and things were just fine. And, and I've experienced that over and over again. You know, if I will share my powerlessness with you and ask God to help me in the moment, in the crunch, I get what I need. Um... Sometimes I feel very fragile, sometimes I feel very good about my recovery, but I always do feel that God can and will if he is sought. And, and I am certain that that keeps me sexually sober. I am certain that it can keep you sexually sober. And I am grateful, I am never sufficiently grateful that we are all finding it together. Thank you.
would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.